Welcome to the Virgin Diabetic Podcast. My name is Denise Panzers, diabetes and holistic lifestyle coach. Type 2 diabetes is a disease that plagues over 115 million in the U.S. and hundreds of millions worldwide. I was one of those unlucky people to be diagnosed with type 2 diabetes and prescribed medication with four daily insulin shots. I was devastated. I realized, contrary to what everyone told me, I could reverse my diabetes, and my happy day was when I eliminated all medication and insulin and regained my health. Join me on this journey to learn and gain insight on reversing the effects of your diabetes. Thank you for joining me in today's episode, Food, Mood, and Diabetes. You know, diabetes is just tied to so many side effects. Many of them can really just drastically change your life. So growing up, you know, I heard diabetes was a sugar problem, but I really look at it as an energy problem, which then creates issues in processing and converting sugar. So that's a little different twist from what you probably have thought of before, isn't it? Well, what happens when a diabetic consumes sugar or food that's going to break down into sugar, especially very quickly? Now we know your glucose will increase. I think we all know that now, right? Well, when this happens too often and it goes too high, you affect the health of your pancreas, right? That is the organ that produces our insulin. But what other health factors are we impeding? Well, we're gonna talk about that today and it's the road to mood disorders and depression is really paved with sugar. Now, if you're craving sugar, sugar type foods, you are addicted to sugar. And did you know that sugar is more addictive than cocaine? Well, and think about it. It's widely available. It's a lot cheaper. And it's easy then to become addicted because we put it in foods that just taste so good. We don't really think about sugar that way. Maybe we should. But when we're talking sugar, we are referring to these simple carbs, things you would find in sodas, sugary drinks, baked goods, snacks, desserts, things like that. So now let me ask you this. You've gained some weight. Your glucose has gotten higher. The A1C keeps increasing a little bit. You can only get it down just a little bit and then it goes back up again. You know, these are two common issues that I hear people get so frustrated about. And is that not enough for you to change your lifestyle when you struggle with that? And you know, unfortunately for many people, that is not enough to kind of get you moving forward. And I know I was one of those people before. Well, maybe this next piece of information will make you think differently and see your way to making some positive lifestyle changes. You heard me say that sugar foods, simple sugars, refined sugar is linked to mood disorders and depression. So you heard me right. So let's first talk a little about the simple or refined sugars. What exactly are they? Where are you going to find them? Well, anything that you see on a label that has corn syrup, high fructose corn syrup, brown rice syrups, these are things you can pretty well find in protein bars, breakfast bars, candy, candy bars, and other processed foods and snacks. Now, these are cheap ingredients 
for the food manufacturers. Why do you think they get us hooked and they try to sell so much to us? And you get those two-for-one offers or half-price offers all the time. Well, don't forget about soft drinks, sport drinks, fruit juices. We really don't want to even start our babies on straight fruit juice. Even for my grandkids, I used to water it down a little bit. Too much sugar. Other foods that'll fall into this category for simple and refined sugars are going to be white bread. And you know what? Don't even get confused and think you grab a loaf of wheat bread and you're okay. Wheat bread has been really just kind of a joke, quite honestly. It really, all it is, is unbleached white bread. That's all it is for most of the brands that you're going to see out there. And, you know, English muffins, bagels. Oh my gosh, we went through a time when we told people to switch from donuts to bagels. Hey, I'm, I'm married to a retired police officer. We went through that in our home, got off the donuts and went on to bagels. Well, I'm here to tell you his cholesterol did not actually improve when we even did that. So, you know what? That certainly did not help society. How about pizza dough? pastries, anything that uses white flour. So does that mean that you should think about going gluten-free? Well, if you do have an issue with gluten or wheat, yes, obviously you'd want to move to things that are gluten-free like almond flours, garbanzo flours, things like that. But what I really want you to be careful of when you try to start looking at those swaps, right? Okay, I'm going to get away from wheat. This is great. That's Denise said no wheat, right? <laughs> well, be careful because when you start looking at other products, you know, food manufacturers are all about marketing. They're going to move you from one product they make right to another product that they make so they don't lose the sale. Hey, and I'm all about making money. I, I have no qualms about any business out there making money. What I have qualms with is what are we actually trying to sell the American people or anyone across the globe for that matter? So be careful when you do switch and you're looking for those gluten-free options. There's a lot of rice flours that are used and other starches. So as a diabetic, you definitely want to pay attention to that ingredients list. You, you may see a lot of potato starch, tapioca, things like that. You may not be able to properly convert those type of flours and starches any better than you do with wheat. So just pay attention to that, okay? And then, you know, I have to tell you, I was doing a little bit of research and I found this information. And sometimes we talk about um, how things are always worse for women. Well, apparently men may be more susceptible to the mental health effects than women can be. So there's a study that showed that men who actually consumed 67 grams or more of sugar every day were 23% more likely to have depression after five years of consistently doing this, you know, as opposed to men who are eating 40 grams of sugar or less. Now, I still think that's too high, but we'll address that. And then if we look at the American Heart Association, you know, their recommendation is that men not exceed 36 grams of added sugar. Well, see, I even said that it was uh, 40 was too high. But women should not exceed 20 grams of added sugar every day. And guess what? I still think those numbers are too high. So when you're looking at packages, added sugar, 
is what is in addition to the food that naturally carries sugar. So if you're going to have an apple, right, that might have 20 grams or so, depending on the size of the apple, of carbohydrates. Um, maybe that gives you 18, 19 grams of sugar itself. But what if you took maple syrup and put it on top of that apple and then ate it? That would be your added sugar, right? Well, hopefully um, no one is doing that. <laughs> um, so look on the food packages, you know, for the term that says added sugars. These are the ones that are definitely going to probably break down and get processed very quickly, creating glucose spikes. Now, ladies, how about being diabetic and going through menopause? That can be terribly uncomfortable. You know, making hot flashes worse and instigating these mood swings. So diet is very important. What you put in your mouth is very important. And I can tell you, when I spoke with my friends who went through menopause without regard for their diet, no matter what I shared with them, the same foods we're talking about today they were absolutely miserable. They didn't believe me that that meal could make a difference. Those snacks could make a difference. Now, I thought I was in perimenopause in my early 40s. I was getting hot flashes like crazy. But guess what? I found out it was really diabetes. And when I fixed that, those hot flashes went away. But then when my time came for menopause, I got to tell you, my hot flashes really were typically not that bad. They were not anywhere near as bad when I was at 39, 40, 41, when I was going through those issues. Well, and then let me tell you, lucky for my husband, my mood was pretty good too. So he didn't have too much to worry about. Um, but the most important thing is, as I digress, is you know I actually felt better than my other girlfriends did. So why do we want to feel worse than we really have to? So add diabetes on top of that, and it just makes that journey so much worse. So we do have some control over what we have to eat. We might not have control over everything as we're going through these hormonal changes, but what we eat, we have complete control over. And I talked more about that because of moods, how all of that can affect our moods. But you know, there's some other studies out there that showed that People who really ate a lot that had like the most intake of baked goods. So, you know, we're talking breads and bagels and coffee cakes and muffins and, you know, all of these things actually had a 38% higher risk of depression because of all of these sugars and even the trans fats that have been in a lot of products as well. So I want you to think about too, so now we're combining these simple sugars, um, refined sugars and trans fats. Um, so kind of a double whammy, right? Um, just because a package says zero trans fats, let me tell you, that's not necessarily the case. The way that manufacturers have to account for it is that if it's less than one or less than half of a gram, well, guess what? You start adding up all these things throughout the day, you might be getting more trans fats than you really think you are. So all of this is diet-related. It has a profound effect on our system as a whole. This is the type of diet that leads to inflammation. And inflammation is linked to depression. So how can you tell that you might have some inflammation? You know, something's going on outside of like getting your blood tested. Well, loss of appetite, changes in sleep patterns, 
heightened perceptions of pain. And, you know, it's funny, just the other day I was talking with a client and she said, you know, I feel like I have this inflammation. This is someone who's become very in tune to their body over the years and their health. And I think given the chance, everyone can become more in tune to their bodies. And I absolutely believe her when she says, I kind of feel like I have this inflammation. I'm convinced that she's absolutely right because she's feeling the difference when uh, there's a change in diet, when something else is going on. But with inflammation, that now tells us that depression can be that underlying sign of inflammation. So if you've not gotten blood tests for this, really, it might be time to do that. And hey, reach out to me. I'm always happy to help you with that as well. So when you're fighting high glucose levels, erratic glucose levels, it's usually due to poor glucose management. But maybe you're, you want to say, hey, Denise, you know, I eat pretty healthy. You might be eating pretty healthy, but it might be a diet for someone else and not for you. So the right diet matters, right? This can absolutely create mood disorders when your glucose levels are all over the place, when they're too high for too long, they go too high, they drop too low. So if you're on medication or insulin where you're getting these big swings, right? That's a problem. That can absolutely affect your mood. So I want you to ask yourself, are you irritable? Or do you find bouts of time when you're more irritable than other times? Are you anxious? You know, do you worry a lot? You know, maybe you really just need to ask your friends and families these questions, right? Ask them if you come across irritable, anxious, or a huge worrier. Sugar is a huge contributing factor. Now, you also might be thinking, hey, Denise, you know, I'm not so sure sugar can cause all of these issues. It just seems too simple. Well, what I say is let's take a little journey through science. And I promise I'm going to keep this easy to understand. Sugar actually releases inflammatory messengers that are called cytokines. Now, cytokines actually affect the body's immune and inflammation responses. So acute inflammation, that's the good inflammation that fends off foreign invaders, right? Viruses, things like that, and helps to heal injuries. It's short term. If an inflammatory response kind of flares up and then fairly quickly can die down, there's really nothing then to worry about. Your body's doing its job, but it's long-term inflammation that is bad. So inflammation can contribute to a leaky gut. Now, if you're not familiar with what leaky gut is, this is really based around our digestive tract. And we have this mucosal lining in our digestive tract. It's kind of a a barrier that's set up, just like our skin is a barrier, right, to keep out infections, bacteria, all the bad things. Well, your digestive tract has a lining as well. And through poor diet, we trash our gut year after year. I know I went through this as well. I was pretty messed up for a while. (laughs) So these junctures kind of loosen up and create almost these little pinhole effects in that lining. And when that happens, 
it actually allows the protein from foods into your bloodstream too early before you've actually had the opportunity to properly digest the food. So this can create or add to inflammation that you are already battling. Now, the next step, that next chain reaction, what affects your gut affects your brain. And that is the gut-brain axis. So your gut sends hormones like serotonin to your brain. Now, serotonin is a key hormone that actually stabilizes our mood. What do you think happens when that chain reaction is disrupted or it's broken? Depression. And let me tell you, that impacts about 10% of the adults in the United States, and about a third of those people don't actually respond to typical antidepressants. So what are we doing for those folks? Probably not much. Well, I mentioned earlier that refined sugars can actually exacerbate and maybe even create anxiety. Well, that will change your mood. And unfortunately, about 40 million adults struggle with anxiety, and half of those people struggle with both depression and anxiety. Now, what if the answer is really this simple for many of you, and not for all of you, but what if we get to the heart of the matter? What if it's that simple? It's about what you're eating. Whoa, you could improve or even resolve diabetes, depression, anxiety, What would you think about that? You know what? Let's add ADHD into the mix of our discussion here. That is attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And I know a lot of adults who have actually been diagnosed with this and many, many children. And I know a lot of moms have struggled out there with kids that have this. So um, if you know anyone that has kids or grandkids you know, that are struggling with ADHD, start looking at the food. Consuming refined, simple sugars, in addition to chemicals in our processed foods, including like food colorings, food chemicals are going to be fake sugars, right? Acesulfame potassium, sucralose, aspartame. So there's a whole line, um, which I have in my trainings too, about all of these sugars that you look at the package and you say, well, look, there's no sugar, but it's the chemicals that create the sweetness that we're not processing appropriately. These are things that actually add to depression, leaky gut, ADHD, diabetes. These are hormone disruptors. I want you to think about snacks that have sugar or break down into sugar, have these chemicals. You know, when that happens, a massive amount of insulin gets secreted from your pancreas. And this actually creates what's called hypoglycemia. Your glucose is too low. So here's the chain reaction. Now, I know if you're diabetic, you're saying, oh my gosh, my glucose is too low. I have trouble with high glucose. But this is how that process first started. Your body just crashes. So this is the chain reaction. This then, right, after you've had too much insulin, now it drops your glucose too low. This stimulates an increase in epinephrine. So what is epinephrine? That's what we refer to as adrenaline. Now this then activates nervous reactions and continues on with this hyperactivity behaviors. And do that long-term, 
you know, this now becomes chronic. So we are running on adrenaline. When it's chronic, it is a huge problem. It affects your glucose, right? All of this collectively will affect your glucose levels. Well, now we're learning it can also affect your mood. So chronic stress ties with chronic anxiety, ADHD, and depression. It all increases your cortisol levels. Think of fight or flight syndrome, right? This is your cortisol levels increase to put you in that save yourself mode, give you that energy so you can react either to fight or to flee, you know, you got to run, but you've got to have this burst of energy to do that. But if you're living on this constant burst of energy that your body is just overreacting to, you cannot stay in that state very long or consistently. So when cortisol levels rise, your muscle and your fat tissues are less sensitive to insulin. So that means you're ending up with more glucose in your bloodstream. That's the part that we call insulin insensitivity. You have no sensitivity, little sensitivity to insulin. So even if diabetes does not run in your family, this is why you might be getting it. So if you say, hey, my family doesn't have it, and you wonder why, start looking at some of these things that are going on. So erratic hormones, insulin is a hormone, erratic glucose, they affect our mood and going untreated literally can lead to mood disorders, anxiety, and depression. Well, now I want you to think about the reverse. Your mood can influence your food preferences. Now, I don't know why it has to work this way, but when you're not at your best and you're overtired, You want the most unhealthy food. I know I've felt that way too. Now, this really should then be your big red flag. You probably really need healthy food at that moment. I mean, avoid the sugary, refined sugar type foods and snacks. They are not going to be your friend. They will make you crash. You will feel worse. But maybe all of this now kind of helps us understand how people get stuck and they cannot move forward. We can't just tell people to stop eating sugar, bread, rice, because these people are actually stuck. You know, they can't see past their current state to feeling better. I know, I've been there. You know, when I was first diagnosed, looking back, I had some anxiety about looking for the right foods to eat. I almost freaked out one day on my sister when she made a suggestion for a restaurant for us to go out for breakfast. You know, and afterward, I felt pretty stupid about the way I reacted. And that really was, made me mindful. You know, I can't go through life like that. It's not fair to me and it's not fair to the others around me. Well, I get hundreds of calls of people telling me, just tell me what to eat. I'll do anything. Just tell me what to eat. And for decades, professionals have been telling diabetics what to eat. But I think about how that has really worked on a long-term basis over all these years. You know what? It has not worked. And I tell you, because over 1.1 million people every year keep getting added into the bucket of having diabetes. And 94 to 95% of these people are type 2 diabetics. So you have to be the leader of your health. You've probably heard me say it before, and I'm going to say it again. You have to have skin in the game. That's when the real healing begins. You can't just do it every few days or when you feel like it. Now, I want to remind you, this does not have to be a race. Just take one step at a time. Give yourself permission to make mistakes, but the key is to learn from them. 
So let's talk a little bit about that snacking because that's a huge question I get from folks. Now, this seems to be a frustration for so many popcorn pretzels. We were told for years that, you know, oh, get off of the fatty, you know, all the fatty stuff, have popcorn, have pretzels. Well, you know, that didn't really help us make things worse. You know, even having too much fruit can be an issue if you're diabetic. But protein bars, breakfast bars, all of those are made up foods. Um, If you have canned fruit, you don't want it in syrup. Those are added sugars. So don't believe that sugar-free on a package means it's healthy. Look at that ingredient list. What kind of sugars are being used? And then also, you have to look at the type of carbohydrate. It's not always just how much by reading the grams in there, but it's really more important uh, to read the type of the carbohydrate. And I don't also want you to get pulled into foods that say they have agave syrup in there and that it's low glycemic and it's better than other sweeteners. I'm telling you, it is not. It's, it's a highly processed syrup. So are you one of the average Americans that consumes 152 pounds of sugar every year? Do you realize that's about three pounds of sugar every week? And in the allopathic world, it's suggested you keep it to 13.3 teaspoons of sugar per day. But if you talk to those of us who understand holistic health, we would put that to maybe a maximum of eight teaspoons of sugar a day. So how much do you really consume? I mean, give it some serious thought. You should know the answer. Ask yourself after eating any of these snacks, how did that make me feel? I want you to jot it down. And then maybe 30 minutes later, an hour later, ask yourself the same question and write your response down on that. Did it change? Did you feel okay right after you ate, but maybe 30 minutes or 60 minutes later, you started realizing, oh, yeah, that didn't really make me feel so good. And I ask you, how are you starting your day? Is it with cereal, oatmeal? Are you starting your day with a smoothie? Now, please don't make this very common mistake of adding too many fruits into your smoothie. You can very quickly make a great breakfast idea a bad smoothie, especially when you have diabetes. Do you have any idea what that breakfast is doing to your glucose levels? Well, if you don't, you need to check. How do you feel after having your breakfast? So my gift for you today is a food and mood journal. You can download it from my website at reversemydiabetes.net. It's located on my Denise Recommends page. Now, what I want you to realize by using this journal is to make that determination, the foods that make you feel bad. And then remember my question to you, why are you eating something that makes you feel bad? Now, in my training, Heal Diabetes with the Power of Food, I have everyone ask themselves, is this meal bringing me closer to optimal health or pushing me further away? Reach out to me. Let me know how all that's working out for you. And I want to thank you for joining me on today's episode of Food, Mood, and Diabetes. Thank you for joining me today. New episodes are released on the first and third Wednesday each month. For more information or a free consultation, visit reversemydiabetes.net. Follow me on Instagram, The Virgin Diabetic, and on Facebook, Reverse My Diabetes. I wish you the best of health.